I am, I am, I am. <clears throat> Welcome family, how are you today? All's well? Good, good, good. Um, I want to talk about this idea of prayer uh, to expand the horizons a little bit, not uh, because I think you don't know anything about prayer, obviously that's not the case at all, but I wanted to say to you that one of the characteristics of the kingdom of God is one or two things that are critical to life and prayer is one of these. So let me find a biblical background in a way if I can. We read to you from two uh, pieces of scripture first of all. Um, the first one is uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and um, beginning from verse 11. But it needs a bit of a, pre a, 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 a bit up the front so you know what's going on here. Solomon has just finished building the temple. It's taken him years and years to finish building the temple. And he has a conversation with God and brings to God a dedicatory prayer. And in the dedicatory prayer, Solomon says to God, a number of things that happen in the normal Jewish life, Lord, if this happens and your people come to you and pray, will you hear them? And in the dedicatory prayer, he does that seven times. If he says, he says to God, if I come to you, uh, if our people come to you, if those who are in pain come to you, will you listen to them? Will you hear? Would you, would you, that's what we want. That's what we want in our temple. We want our temple to be the place where, well, it's a house of prayer. And so our reading follows on from that. That's chapter 6. If you wanted to have a look at it, count the number of times prayer is in there. Verse 11, when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. You know this verse, don't you? If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Right in the very base of the Jewish covenant with God is that they get the right in the covenant to pray. They get the right to seek who God is. They get the right to come and talk to God a strange thing really the, the Lord who created the universe threw it all into space are you serious that I get actually to talk to him one on one does he come down into who I am and where I am and does he actually hear me listen to me well Jehovah has just said if you pray if you're in your heart you're accurate about your prayer I will hear you I will forgive you. I will heal your land. I will equip you for the things that are standing before you at the moment. The key activity 
in the kingdom is to come to God in prayer. Prayer is our greatest weapon in the battle against Satan and his forces. Let me read the other one that I wanted to, uh, I wanted to read out. Sort of the Christian version of the same thing. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites for, uh, who love to uh, pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. That's the distortion that some of the Jews had taken prayer to be. Don't do that. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full, but when you pray, go into your own room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This is intimacy. This is not about public display. The, the way in which Jesus is now saying, when you want to pray, it's about, it's about intimacy. It's about a personal relationship. But it's all the power in the universe at your disposal if you learn to use this, if you learn to do this. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father needs what you, knows what you need before you ask. This then is how you should pray, and you all know this off by heart. I need to say to you, I don't think Jesus was saying, when you need to pray, you recite this prayer. I think he was saying, when you need to pray, these are the things you need to be on about. Our Father in heaven. Father, what does that mean? In heaven. Uh, hallowed be your name. We could have a 10-week sermon series on that. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if, they don't forgive, if you do not forgive men for their sins, your Father will not forgive you for your sins. Time alone with God. Now, I'm not wanting to talk about prayer this morning, explain what prayer is. I'm not wanting to talk about prayer and say, you've never heard of this before, but let's do it. I'm wanting to say to you that in the kingdom of God, because that's our theme, in the kingdom of God, there is one weapon that he has given to us in our relationship, in our movement from this physical world into the spiritual world. The one thing that is given to us is the right of entry to talk to him the right of entry and I want to say to you that in the stresses and strains of this world the physical world in which we exist there is one weapon that ought to be on our lips moment by moment by moment by moment to deal with the issues that we face our whole church should be on its knees now for the new senior pastor Lord who are you calling we want to plead with you for this person we want to ask you to give us the, the person of your choice, the person you know, the church on its knees before God. I'm not saying that you're not doing that. You must, may be doing it at home significantly. What about this time alone with God? Let's think about this for just a minute. Have you ever been in a place where you feel you don't belong? Feels a bit odd, doesn't it? A bit uncomfortable. You kind of wish you weren't there. Let's see how quickly I can leave. How does it make you feel? 
Uh, I think it makes you feel a bit self-protective, a bit uh, unsure of yourself, not sure of what you're going, where, where things are happening. Uh, you're feeling wary and sometimes you're feeling obvious, stick out. It's not, you know in your head you're not like everybody else, but they don't know that. <laughs> Self-conscious and careful of what I say and give less of myself than I would normally do. You know, we, when we have conversations with people, we tend to start on a very, very basic level of, uh, wasn't the weather good today? And as we get to know each other, we go further and further and deeper and deeper to the point of saying, what's on my heart? But it takes a few sessions to get to what's on my heart. When it comes to time alone with God, it can be a little bit by, like green eggs and ham. You know green eggs and ham, that book? Oh, I, don't, I don't like green eggs and ham. I don't want to pray. I don't know about... I, why? Because of issues of unfamiliarity. I, I, if, I'm, if I'm a distance away, it's harder to come close. And I, you know, I'm not quite familiar with this one. Or fear. Are you serious I'm talking about, I'm talking about things with God? Well, how dare I front up to the living God knowing what I've done this week? How dare I come to him and ask him to help me? Is there something in the way? I don't quite know what to do. Jeremiah has this passage which I think is absolutely critical for us to understand about our intimacy with God. We have a right to this intimacy. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with them, with Israel, after this time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. They don't have to read the book. It's actually in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. We have a right of entry. And despite whatever we might have done, whatever we might have been, whatever we, we have a right to come to the Lord God and cash in on the blessings of the kingdom. We have a right to come to him. And I would want to say to you, and I'll say it later towards the end of the sermon, I think we have uh, a discipline to come to him. Something about being a disciple has to do with the disciplines we employ. Have a look at this one. No longer will a man teach his neighbour or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them or the greatest, declares the Lord. Because we know him, we have a right of intimacy and we have a direct path through to him the major issue of intimacy, you see, is the natural human behaviour that is stepping back. It takes several conversations to get into the real you. Now, here I want to say this. I don't know of any activity, of any discipline in life that is done perfectly the first time it's ever done. And I watch some of these physio people, uh, runners and weightlifters and all the rest of them, and I think, how in heaven's name can they do that? 
And the, the word comes back, practice. Practice. They run the way they run because they've practiced like that very, very hard. Now, I want to say to us, we know about prayer, we do prayer, but the discipline of prayer that comes because we are the disciples of Jesus Christ means that we step into a depth of relationship in this intimacy with Jesus, which is ours because we repeat and do and continue on. There's no need to be scared. And on the basis of continually coming into a relationship with God, we discover a depth begins to happen in our lives. There are some issues that come up in prayer. One like our, our friend on the screen just told us about. Oh, God already knows, so I don't need to keep on asking. My sister used to tell me, uh, if God doesn't know, I'll tell him once, but after that there's no need for me to repeat it. Why would he need to hear it again? And I used to say to him, what's prayer about? Do you think it's about informing God? Is that what prayer is? What's, what's re prayer really about? Well, what's happening in prayer? Is a prayer about you or is it about me? Or is it about God? Or is it about both? Is prayer about having prayers answered? Because if we're beginning to learn to pray and we think that if I ask God for something, he's obliged to give it to me or obliged to do it, then we're well off the track. This is intimacy of relationship and out of the relationship comes the model that he is my Lord, he is my saviour, he is my master and I come to him in love to hear his voice about what my needs might need. It's not me coming to him and saying, Lord, I need so-and-so. Like the little boy who heard, if you ask God for anything, he'll, he said, oh, I'd like a fishing rod, please, and nice hooks. The next day they weren't there on his, on his table and he said, well, this God doesn't answer prayer. He misunderstood prayer altogether. Is prayer about building a relationship? Oh, I think we're getting a little closer now. How did you build a relationship with your spouse? How do you build a relationship with your kids? I've got a little grandson who's three years old. I've got other grandkids, but my little boy is... Uh, three years old and his mother and his father call him little John because he and I get on just like this when he comes into the door he'll come up and latch, my, latch himself to my leg and I have to walk around with him attached there because we've developed intimacy and I know what he's feeling and saying often before he says anything and I, I used to be the tickle monster and now I'm the cuddle monster. Intimacy. You, you're doing that with God? Because you see, I think it's about building a relationship. And I think you and I are going to need that relationship when we see him face to face. I think that's the one thing we take with us. This relationship that we built on the basis of prayer, this is the one thing we take through the curtain, and when we see him face to face, we'll be seeing somebody who we've talked with and loved with and cared with and responded to for years. And he says, hello, John, how are you? Good to see you back home. We'll know each other. Is prayer about building a relationship? I think it is. 
uh, is prayer about finding a partnership? I think it is. See, one of the characteristics of this world over here is you go it alone. You might try and line up as many support people as you can, but you go it alone. Over in this world, in the kingdom of God, and this is the key to it, over in this world, you never walk alone. I'm with you always. I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. In this world, in our world, in the kingdom of God, we have a, we have a relationship with the living God. I've tried to explain it to you in earlier sermons by saying, come dance with me. Come live with me. Come allow my Holy Spirit to be the one who is the, the lead in the dance for you. Come dance with me. Come talk with me. Come do what needs to be done. But understand one of the characteristics of the, the kingdom of God, of this kingdom, is the capacity to talk to the master <laughs> and to gain all of the strength and all of the insight and all of the stuff that we need to live. The world can be a scary place right now. We talked about that a few weeks ago and I know one or two people said, oh dear me, this is too hard. It is the truth, but it's not the total truth. It is the truth, our world, but it's not the total reality. We come to our master in prayer. There are biblical foundations that I've just read to you. You know what they are, 2 Chronicles 7, 11 to 14, that basic uh, issue that Solomon dealt with after he'd finished building the temple and the basic issue that Jesus comes in. People say to him, well, uh, his disciples say to him, Lord, look, those guys over there, they pray. Is that right? And if it's not right, how do we pray? And I read it to you. Jesus says, this is how you pray. This is intimacy. This is, this is relationship. Don't come to me as a person who hasn't spoken to me for 10 years and expect me to be able to get to the depths of your soul because you're not opened up. Can't get near you. Because of what Jesus has done, Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews wants, us tell, wants to tell us that we have rights of relationship. These are our rights as disciples of the King. Here's where the green eggs and ham bit comes in. I don't really want to, but when I do, I do like eggs and ham. I really do. Prayer is a wonderful thing to be involved in. Reasons for relationship in that uh, reading from Hebrews. We have a right of entry. Jesus Christ, our Saviour, has put in place for us now a right of entry into the throne room of the Master. And it, it, it's not some ritualistic thing where I need to blow the trumpet three times before I'm allowed in the door. It's, Lord God, I love you. Lord God, you're my friend. I need to walk with you. I need to feel the heartbeat. I need to feel your spirit dancing and, and, and follow the footprints. I need to know where to go. We have a right of entry. That's done. We didn't have to do that. We have a representative there. Did you know that the one sitting at the right hand of God, of the universe, the Lord God Almighty is a human being. The God-man, Jesus Christ. Now, he's no longer a man there, 
God is not male or female. But right seated there is the human form, speaking into the heart of God the things of the human race and speaking back from God to the human race in the things that that matter to the human form. We have a representative there. Over in this world, I don't have a representative anywhere. I live my own life. I do the best I can. I get challenged by the uh, changes in our society. I get scared out of my wits by thinking about the Russian-Ukrainian war. I think of what might happen in Australia. Over in this world, I spend my life with my master. I spend my life thinking and hearing and believing and knowing and living life as it was meant to be. We have full assurance of faith, verse 22. Full assurance. Faith will lead you into a relationship with the living God. We have no guilty conscience. Come to me and I will heal you. Come to me and I will take away your sin. Seek forgiveness and I say to you now, I will remove every single article from your backpack. You will carry nothing. You will be totally free. Over in this world, I have a massive backpack. I accumulate the history of my behaviours and they control my life, they dominate my experiences, they dominate my thinking, my dislike for certain big people certainly becomes, soon becomes hatred. And over in this world, he says, just be free before me, release everything into my hands, and when you've done that, done that we'll talk about what the future holds. We'll talk about what happens this afternoon. We'll talk about happens, what happens tomorrow. The strong advice, as far as Hebrews is concerned, is this. Hold on unswervingly to the hope you profess. Hold on unswervingly. Do not let anything force you to lose grasp on this truth, this reality that you are in contact with the living God and he will speak with you, he will dance with you through to eternity. Is is that not something that's worth having? (laughs) Isn't it wonderful, amazing? Spur one another on. How are you doing? Life's tough at the moment. We ask the question, how are you? Are you okay? Talk with one another. Sit with one another. Pray with one another. Work with one another. Love with one another. Dance with one another. As the master comes and shows us how to do it, dance with him. Keep in relationship. Never let it stop. Never let it slow down. Do what you can as best you can. And and here, just some suggestions. How do we do this? How How do we live this life of prayer? Well, I've got some suggestions. There are tons of them, I'm sure. Let me... My wife does this, I don't. She likes to write, I like to talk. Thank you for laughing at that. She likes to write things down. She has a whole pile pile of journals about this thick it is now. In fact, it got to the stage when we realised we had to move out of our house that she said, I'm going to look at them all and burn them so that nobody reads my diaries from 30 or 40 years ago. She journals with God. 
I don't generally get to read her journals, but occasionally she says, here, read this. And I will see for a few days she's been talking to the Lord about so-and-so. And then he says to her, Diane, I love you. This is what you need to do. It's there, written. written. And, and she said to me, John, we need to do this. And we've done it and, and it's been right. Journal, just talk with him. And in your prayer, write down what you think he said. You'll be uncertain about what you think he said until you look back through your diaries and discover a thread of what he's done, a thread of where he's taken you, a thread of answers that you didn't really think you were going to... He's there, all right. Believe me, by journaling. Start the day there. When you get up in the morning, morning, Lord, thank you for a good night's sleep. Thank you for what we've been able to... uh, achieve in, in settling my brain again I love you Lord and I want to suggest something to you I don't know whether you've ever any of you are involved in this do any of you uh, listen to Lectio 365 Lectio 365 it's a, an app you put on your phone it comes out of the UK it's an app you put on phone on your phone it's Lectio 365 and they have a devotion which goes for about five to ten minutes in the morning and then a devotion that goes for about the same length of time in the evening. Diane and I have a habit of when we wake up, we listen to Lectio 365 in bed still, we hold hands, we listen to Lectio and we talk to the Lord about our family. At night when we go to bed, we look, we press Lectio again and it comes through on the phone and it talks about we hold hands with one another and then we say to one another, Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. We do that every day. Now that that just provides bookends for us. That's all it really does. It's not all we do. But can I suggest you might want to pop that down and, and try it. Lectio 365. You just get it from an ordinary store, uh, on the not, not the bookstore, on the, on the phone, and uh, you can get involved in that. What else? Well, this is what I've tried to do over a period of time. This is, this is one for, for me. I've tried to get started with Lectio and then I, I've tried to turn the rest of the day into a conversation with Jesus. So wherever I go, I presume he's standing next to me or sitting next to me and I talk to him about the things that are happening right through the day. Now, I have to say to you that that's something that's a discipline and that's a discipline that takes a while to get on top of. A discipline that takes a, a, a fair bit of time to uh, go back again to the nature of this relationship. Because I, I kind of figure when I'm talking with people, when I'm hearing people, when I'm watching things, I need to get the slant on that that comes from the Lord. And that helps me through the day. And I've got this consciousness then of trying to... Now, I have to say to you, this is a discipline that's really quite tough. But it's easy to do. You just say, Lord, I want to be with you today. Just today. Let me walk with you today. Use use a daily devotional approach. You can use daily bread or others that are around the place and, and, and use that every day. Spend a bit of time with the Lord. Find your own space for a moment. Um, the older ladies will recognise the apron trick. Used to be around the place quite some time ago. It was a matter of uh, if you want to try and get some peace 
with all the kids around the place, etc., pull the apron up over your face and say to the kids, go away. When I've got the apron up, I'm talking to the Lord. Any of the older ladies used to that? No, the apron trick. My grandma used to do that. Worth trying. Have any of you got the Bible on a CD? Yep. Uh, you, you can listen to the whole Bible on a CD, on, well, several CDs. The guy who plays, uh, who plays, um, who was it? Sorry? I couldn't hear you. Poirot. Yeah, the guy who's doing well up here. The guy who plays Poirot is a Christian and he has recorded the whole Bible on CDs and it is just wonderful, just beautiful to listen to. You can read the whole Bible in a year by simply taking your Bible out and listening to him reading it to you. Make a time, and I find it easiest when I'm organised and not random, when I talk to the Lord. In fact, I'm, I'm thinking of another little trick now that I'm retired. I'm thinking of that of at four o'clock in the afternoon, I simply go and sit in a room somewhere and talk to the Lord for half an hour. Got to organise myself to do that though. Use a format and use the same pattern each day. Be creative and use variety. Try not to miss. Keep in the groove. Talk above. Talk uh, below the surface. Uh, that'll happen automatically once you've talked to the Lord in a long period of time. Read the Bible and pray the passage. You ever done that? Read the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Lord, you are my shepherd. I know that I'm not going to want out of this. Read the Bible, pray the reading. Turn it into a first-person conversation about you with God. And be super careful about shopping lists. You know what I'm talking about? Super careful about shopping lists. Sometimes I think when we have prayer meetings together, we spend half the prayer meeting deciding what we're going to pray about. We've got to get the shopping list coordinated and when we get that coordinated, we can pray. Sometimes you just need to pray. I want to say to you that in this kingdom of ours, in the location where we worship and love at the living God, prayer is the key figure of our intimacy with Jesus. Prayer is the one thing where we can depart from who we are and move into the reality of who he is and our relationship with him. It's more than that. You want a relationship? Yes, of course. You want the experience of intimacy? Yes, of course. But in times of trouble, where do you go? In times of peace, where do you find time to say to the Lord, thank you so much? Thank you so much. Prayer is the weapon when satanic forces stand against us. The weapons of the kingdom of God are totally different to the weapons of this world. The first and primary weapon of the kingdom of God is prayer. I want to invite you in your lives to rework again how prayer is going how focused it is and how deep your relationship with the Lord is because you're praying more. Let me pray now.
Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for the right to come into the kingdom of God, right into the very throne room. Thank you that you have given to us your Holy Spirit as the, as the uh, partner in the dance of our life, where he guides and keeps and takes us to places we'd never, ever thought of, who, who keeps us secure when we're stumbling, who gives us love and peace when there seems to be nowhere else. Lord God, thank you for what you do. Thank you for the blessings, but thank you most of all for this right to be able to talk with you, to know you, to hear and understand the things of your kingdom. Amen.